So I want to just take the time to, to pray and settle in. Um, God was speaking to me over the last week about different issues that he wanted me to uh, present to you. And uh, as of Friday, I got a verse, uh, chapters, and I was like, wow, I might be able to go with this. Let's, let's see how it works. So Lord, I just pray right now that you amplify your word, that it's received in a way that only you can bring it, Lord, and that you use me in your own way as it's presented. We just bless this church. Amen. So I was excited about worship today. How was that? Give it up for your worship team. Yeah. You guys are fantastic. And I was resting on the last song, We Love You, We Love You, We Love You. Uh, God was telling me, he's, he was saying, I love you. He was reversing that song in every aspect. And I could see this church, when you walk into the room, everything changes. He has put you in a place at a time like this for every individual, for the church of Jesus Christ to walk into their authority. Do you believe that? Yes. It's a time like these for you it's, to rise up and take your place, take your authority, walk in the majesty of Jesus Christ, of God, what he has given you. And this is the time, right? We talk about history and all the things, and I was talking to the pastor about the 200 plus years of the American history. We are babies and we're going through struggles. Think about the thousands of years the Europeans have gone through and the struggles. Right? And put that in perspective. I, th I thought that was amazing download as, as God was showing me just how young this country is and what we are doing and the things that are just exploding as, as, as it's, it's coming into view and how we as a church has, have an opportunity to step into the gap. Are you willing to step into the gap? Are you willing to step into the gap? Yes. And that is the willingness. So you, you will walk into rooms and you already are doing it and change the atmosphere. All of you are atmosphere changers. Do you believe that? Yes. Good. You, you guys are great. I'm going to have a good time up here. Response. and It's fantastic. So I thought I would just really quickly go over what was, what's happening in the world today in, the, in, the, in the, our country uh, from a police perspective. I, again, my name is Derek Peterson. I've been uh, with the Sheriff's Office, Multnomah County Sheriff's Office in Portland, Oregon for uh, a little over 33 years. And uh, people say, uh, when are you going to retire? <laughs> not yet. It'll be, it'll be a while. God is not through with me yet. And I know that there's other things in store for me. And uh, he's been showing uh, his, his path within the last five or six years. And so I'm staying, I'm sticking to it and staying on that path. And uh, it's been fantastic. Um, so we are now over a hundred days of protests. Over a hundred days. And our best training would never have prepared us for this right, as police officers. Never in a billion years would we have gone through this training and saying, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have to fortify up and be ready to deal with issues for a hundred days straight. How daunting do you think that is? So, 
What is it that drives police to be in these kind of situations? I, I tell people we didn't we didn't sign up to get spit on and all that kind of stuff, but that's what we are enduring through these processes and we are growing and learning through this process learning how to be better professionals being able to meet the community where they're at and yes we have a long way to go we'll never say that we've arrived and i think as christians we are always arriving and as law enforcement we're always arriving so in the midst of that I had to hold intention as, as a police officer, as a, a person in law enforcement, the holding intention of being a person of color, where the Black Lives Matter issues are going on, and uh, standing up to being called sellout, Uncle Tom, all the names that you can, can imagine, and enduring that, right? And it's only through Christ and the understanding who I am in Christ that I can stand strong and say, that's not what my identity is. And he wants you to know and, and figure out what your identity is. Everyone has one and it is unique to each and every one of you. How do you find that out? Well, we're going to find out, right? <laughs> So some of the things that you may not know about, the media doesn't necessarily uh, uh, show. Uh, I just wanna give you kind of a glimpse into um, what a police officer on the front lines is dealing with on a daily basis during these protests. So you might see water bottles being thrown or tennis balls being thrown. Uh, seems kind of harmless, but uh, those water bottles are uh, often been in the freezer for a long time, right? The tennis balls are filled with cement. So it's cloaked into something that, that's that been thrown that's very soft, but it's not. It's not soft and fluffy and uh, that kind of deal. It actually hurts in the midst of that. Um, eggs being thrown. Yeah, well, it's just an egg. Well, oftentimes they're injecting acid in the, into the eggs. Uh, very in, inventive, right? Yeah, it's very interesting. Some, some of the things they uh, invent. Um, the signs are very interesting. The signs they hold. Oftentimes behind those signs, there's machetes, knives that you can't see from the angle of how the media portrays it or shows it, but there's often weapons behind those signs. And they're actually makeshifting the wood that the sign is attached to. They makeshift the end of it into a spear. So you're not seeing those kind of weapons going uh, that are um, being presented and, and there's guns we've taken guns and things off off folks as well uh, one of the other things is those high-powered lasers uh, the ones where they outlawed it to even they, they'll arrest you if you uh, shine it in at an airplane right so they're shining those lasers and several of our officers have been permanently damaged have permanent eye damage um, and last, I don't want to just belabor, but those, these are just some of the things that, that are going on and what we're taking off and what we have to face. Uh, ball bearings, high-powered slingshots, one-inch uh, round ball bearings. And fortunately, no one's been hit with, that, with those, but they're launching them, those all the time. And you can see the damage to uh, multiple, multiple windows at the Justice Center and at the federal courthouse. So that's kind of a taste of what's out there and how they are dealing with things on a daily basis. They stand there uh, and, and have to stay silent and just take it. 
all the words, the threats to their family, that I'm going to hunt you down, they stand there and take it. Many of these officers have worked 20-hour, 22-hour days. So they come in, they, they get like three or four hours of sleep, they come into work, do their regular shift, and then right after that shift, they're assigned to the protests. And that just keeps going over and over again, right? So now we're talking about over 100 days. Just think of the fatigue. And I'm saying they are human beings. We are human beings. And how far can you stretch the rubber band without breaking? So I just want to give you a, a view into that. Uh, if you haven't thought about it, I know that people have asked questions and that's the essence of over a hundred days of protests. And let me tell you that, as I said, getting into the police work, we, most of us want reform, we want meaningful reform, meaningful reform. We don't want to take for granted, and we don't take for granted the authority and the power that has been instilled or given to us. And just as Christians, we should never take for granted the authority and the power that has been given to you. Amen. So the majority of us really try in that human aspect to do the right thing. And yes, we want to continue to learn and figure out ways to do things better and policing better. And like I said, we have a long way to go and we have to own up to the things that are not right. The church has to own up to the things that are not right. And again, step into their authority. Amen. All right. I don't, want to, I don't want to be a downer today, but I'm going to try and pump this up a little bit. So <laughs> that was a lot. Everybody okay? Okay. So as I was thinking about the message that uh, God wanted me to kind of speak to you today, and, and drama came up, right? So we're living in the days of misinformation and things that are going on that we don't understand and everybody has an opinion mark tubbs talked about this one the last time he was here that you don't have a right to your opinion and i was like wow that's profound you don't really i mean yeah. and what does that look like well we find ourselves when we have an opinion that we have figured out an argument and taken aside, whether it's subconsciously or consciously, you've taken aside to an issue. And it's so easy today as we're inundated with all kinds of information to one, be confused, but to start to take aside with limited information. So as, as I was looking at the situation of getting into drama. I went to the story of Lazarus. Everybody know who Lazarus is? So let's set the scene. He is sick. He's got a couple of sisters that are concerned. Uh, Jesus has just had an issue and kind of with his disciples have, have, was uh, threatened to be put to death at that point in time and he had left the area and um, as he left I would say he knew what was going on with Lazarus and that it was hard for him to go but uh, at that point he needed to and he's setting the scene he's setting up a scene at this point and uh, the rest is history as he makes his way back after Lazarus dies and um, goes through and raises him from the dead. So that's the 
points of what God wants to tell you today is using Jesus as your true north of how to deal with situations, okay? So that's what we're going to end up doing. Let me check my notes. So Candace Simmons had a dream before I get into the scripture. Candace uh, Simmons had a dream a few months ago. She conveyed that, uh, and, and let me tell you, this lady has like seven dreams a night, something like that. It's, it's crazy. And she's writing them down all the time. So amazing. And she interprets those dreams. So uh, what came to mind is this particular dream she was talking about, about the, uh, the, the veil that is being clo or a cloak that's going over our eyes in this in this country we're being inundated with information with with negative information from the media from all kinds of media sources facebook i mean we're on it constantly and so uh eventually it's going to affect you in some kind of way when i'm down at the um at the, at the center, it's called the ICP, Incident Command Center, we're watching videos of what's happening on the street for hours. What do you think happens after watching it for hours day by day? What do you think happens to your spirit? Anybody? You start getting down, negativity, you start getting drawn into the drama starting to have this us versus them mentality, right? So she's asking that you limit and watch what you're doing when you're exposing yourself to the, the media and the things that are out there. Protect your heart, protect your mind uh, in that, that there's a veil, there's a cloak that's going over our eyes. So it says, uh, with so much chaos, how do we navigate through the disinformation, keep positive and not be pulled into the drama? I always say we can look to Jesus to find an answer. So could you turn to each other and say, Jesus has the answer. <laughs> Jesus has the answer, right? So I said, what would Jesus do in this situation? So first it's good to know what and if you're in the drama. So there's a couple of things that you wanna take a look at here. Do you get tunnel vision? Does rational thought leave the building meaning you your head your your head space it's like all of a sudden nothing makes sense and you're just rattling off right you, rationality goes away does emotion immediately take over yeah and do you begin to problem solve or fix the problem without taking a step back and looking at the total situation. And I'll tell you in law enforcement, it's easy to get wrapped up into other people's problems in this way because you're, you've got answers, you wanna help and on and so forth. But uh, Jesus shows us how to step back through this Lazarus story and um, stay out of the drama of this, the issues of the day. So you can apply this in small and large issues. So let's go to scripture. John 11, verse three. So the sisters went, uh, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death, no, it is not, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. It is here 
Jesus makes a declaration. The sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So what does Jesus do here? He establishes authority, which I'm asking you to really think about, establishing your authority. He sets the scene for teachable moments and he makes a declaration. How many know, uh, realize how important declarations are in your life? Anyone declare, declare, declare? So I want you to stand up. We want to activate you in, in declarations because I'm declaring this church is going to be and is the truth and the life. And it will be a beacon of hope, Amen. not just for this community, but across this country. Yeah. And that you will take up the challenge. You will take up and walk in your authority. I declare yes. that you will not be at the footstool. and the, You will be on top. You will be standing on top. Do you believe that church today? Yeah. He's put power in the church and it's for today, not tomorrow, not yesterday. It's for today and as we move forward. And I declare that over you, that you will heal the sick, that you will give hope to the hopeless, that you will knock it out of the park, right? And you have to believe that. And if you're not declaring over your own life, we have those little tapes in our voice. You can go ahead and sit down. We have our little tapes in our, in our mind that, you know, say that I'm not good enough. Anybody go there every, ever that I'm not good enough. Uh, I was doing that this morning, unfortunately. And I was like, no, bad, bad, bad. I'm okay. <laughs> God, are you sure we question, we question who we are? You get in those modes and you have to declare that that is not who you were made to be. It's very interesting as I think about the protests, those guys are declaring all the time. And I don't want to be, um, uh, <laughs> you know, too negative, but you know, the, 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 all cops are bees, right? They declare that on a constant, constantly, right? And if I wear that, if I'm listening to it, it really dampens my spirit. How do you combat the, that constant ping, the drop of a of, of water coming out of the faucet that is trying to define who you are. And the answer is Jesus, 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 Jesus. Every time, Jesus, Jesus, that's not true. I know who my identity is in Christ. So repeat these words real quick. This is, this is one of those uh, response kind of situations. So if you would, my words create my reality. By changing my message, I can transform my life. Let's say that again. My words create my reality. By changing my message, I can transform my life. Simple words, but they're words of activation, right? And if you are using those words of affirmation and activation on a continual basis, this world would change in a moment's notice in a moment's notice. And everyone that is connected to the church is doing that. It would be a wave. And we talk about revival and we're asking for it. That's where it comes from. 
getting on your knees, praying, and declaring, declaring, declaring. And we want to usher that in. John 11, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. I thought that was very interesting. He stays two more days. So this guy has ice going through his veins. Because you know the pressure after hearing that. He's got a loved one. And, and, and it's not a, a message of like, hey, you know, take your time. It'd be great if you come by. It's like, hey, this guy's sick. You need to get back here. We believe in you. We, we, can you do something? They had faith that that Jesus could do something if he just returned. So in the drama world, as Jesus represents, he doesn't re overreact to the situation. He takes it in stride, he thinks about it, and he stays two more days. Now I'm not advocating we do all that sometimes, but. Uh, that that's whoo <laughs> that's amazing but there's a rhyme to the reason as we uh, continue to go forward um, the next thing he makes a decisive decision I know he had to have been on his knees praying Lord what do I do in this situation because he only does what the father does what he sees the father doing right? We need to be in tune, in touch with what the Father is doing. We need to be in tune and in touch with the Father is doing. So he makes that decision to go two days later. We go to verse 8. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews were uh, there. The Jews there tried to stone you, and um, yet you want to go back. There's always going to be someone in the midst that's stirring the pot, creating some doubt, a sprinkle of doubt here and there. Remember, and he's like, remember who you are in me. So Jesus answers to them, I kind of think it's like a rebuke. He says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. This is one of those teachable moments. Not unlike the parables Jesus used to teach kingdom principles, oftentimes people are scared of the unknown and are crippled by the past, rendering them powerless. More than at any time ever, the church must recognize her true power and authority through Jesus Christ. It is an opportunity to point to the world uh, point, point the world towards repentance and in eternal salvation. It is an opportunity to show God's matchless love and that he is the answer for this confused world. So we have opportunities, folks. I believe in verse 9, Jesus is talking about himself as he is the light of the world. Anyone who believes in him will not stumble, will not perish, but have everlasting life. It is interesting to me that he refers to the number 12. And, and uh, I was talking to my wife about this a little bit. And I was like, yeah, just go with me on this. 
just go with me on this. But I, I, it's intriguing when I see numbers that are repeated in the Bible. This one is repeated 187 times, and it refers, uh, refers to Christ and his power and his glory, who he is. Uh, it's a significant number. And a lot of people are like, 187 times? Well, yeah, 12, 12, 12. So some examples. 12 tribes of Israel, 12 minor prophets, there's 12 disciples, and 12 spies scouted out the promised land. It just keeps going and going. A very significant number. So let's go to verse 17. We're going to skip, skip down to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus already had been in the tomb for four days. It was very significant about the four days, right? We talk about threes, talk about fours. So in the Jewish times, at that particular time, when someone had died, they believed that that person's spirit was hovering over their body, trying to get back in. Can you just imagine that one? It's like, huh, that's a, a concept. And then on the fourth day, if that person, if that spirit couldn't get back in the body, it would leave. It would, it, it would take off, right? So the significance of that is if Jesus had came too early on the first, the second, or the third day and put life into Lazarus, they would have said, oh, yeah, well, spirit popped back into him. We believe it's hovering. So, you know, so he needed to make sure that Lazarus was dead as a doornail, right? He needed to be dead. Can't, can't perform a miracle unless it's just a real deal, right? And there's no question about it. That's how I want to go out, right? Um... So as I was praying about this four day thing, right? I was like, oh Lord, what is that? Uh, how does that intertwine with what's going on today? And I, could, I, I was hearing that the four days represented the four major issues of today. What do we got going? The coronavirus, and you can put dot, dot, dot on a lot of different things. Uh, after what, what ha the coronavirus has created. The protests, of course, through uh, issues of police brutality. Black Lives Matter comes into, into, into that and a whole host of other things. Now we have the fires. Does it stop? And I was telling somebody, smite me, almighty spy spiders, right? Smite me. Remember that movie. It's like, when does it end, Lord? One thing after another, the smoke is inundating. And people with respiratory issues are now having to combat this. And then the looming presidential elections. That's, there, there, there may be something else in between that, but I was... I was drawn to that presidential election and everybody is so tense what is going to happen are we going to fall off the end of the, the earth here or the world is it are we is our existence done with all the things that are going on so it was a representation of those four days that when we talk about Jesus being the only person, the only deity that can resurrect a people in its most heinous, crazy days. And I see that after that, he's, he, we, we talk about revival. This is the setup for a major revival in this country. That's the setup. Oops. 
I hope you declare that. I hope you will come away from today declaring that revival is coming on the fourth day. It's coming. Verse 18, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to con comfort them in the loss of their brother. So in the midst of drama, what happens? A lot of people kind of congregate together and commiserate. Oh, now I'm not belittling the death of, of a Lazarus. That's a very serious thing. But in the context of, of what we deal with on a daily basis and how humans interact with each other. We love to commiserate. Oh, yeah. So-and-so did this. and I'm not going to make it today. And I, I got this going on. I mean, we just continually just mope in, in, the, in the muck and the mess, right? And he's calling us out of that to be new creatures in him. When Martha heard, verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Now, there's a couple of things that are going on here. It's Lord, um, in verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What I thought was interesting is both Martha and Mary pretty much did the same thing. It's like, hey, dude, you could have you been here. If you were here, this would have happened. I call this dropping your stuff on on me, right? You, you, that's, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying that it's my fault? How many people accuse you of whatever it is <laughs> in your life that because their issues are out of control, it's your fault? It's the church's fault. They weren't there. I've got some young men who are really upset in, the, in our community, uh, some black young men who are really upset that say the church has failed them. And in a way we have. And how do we accept responsibility of that without getting into their drama? Because they've got an equal portion of what has happened and transpired in their life. And how can we be a beacon of hope and standing in the gap and saying yes, there is more we can do. Police officers saying, yes, there's more that we can do. And are we willing to step into that gap? Are we willing? So I, I'm running up on time here. So uh, it was very interesting, quick little story. I had a, this guy who um, reported to me several years ago and he had this way of drawing people in very nice guy he was a supervisor on his own intense and he had this this facial expressions that would draw you in along with his mannerisms and how he walked into the office so one time he walks into my office and he's like i need to talk to you pensive crazy face. I'm like, okay, uh, am I in trouble? And here I'm the, I'm the supervisor over him. I'm thinking, I, did I say something wrong? And I'm trying to go down to a checklist of what did I do? And I couldn't, I was striking out zero. What did I do to this guy? So he comes back, he sits down, he closes the door and he sits down and he goes, how was that concert? I was like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought we were going to, you know, you were going to destroy me. Tell me things are, you know, the, the world is going to blow up and, oh yeah. So he had introduced us to, um, a place that, uh, many artists come through in Seattle that come through and play. And we actually, and he, he loves jazz. And so we, we got an opportunity to go there. And so he wanted to find out and it's like, Dude, man, I thought the world was blowing up. Really? 
So he was this way even when there was an issue, large or small. So he would always bring you in. I, I remember a couple of times I I start I would start making phone calls and and uh, talking to people. And the next thing I'd find out about the the situation or issue that he brought up, oh, it was like a sliver. It needed to be taken out of hand or something like that. It was so benign. It was crazy. So we have these people that are very good at drawing us in. And God is asking us to step back. To be the ones, the leaders in, the, in this, this, this world. To be the ones who bring a calm in a turbulent situation. I'll tell you, the church can't stay silent in these days. It's how you project yourself in a godly manner. You can't just go out there and wing it. But he's asking that the mask come off, right? That that, that voice reigns out and that you are that beacon of light in a weary world. So I want to leave you with a couple things. Zephaniah 3, 6, 3 uh, verse 16 through 17 says here, let me leave, uh, do not be afraid, O Zion. He's speaking to the church, I believe. And this day, speaking to you, O Zion, O Horizon, do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is your, in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. That's the scripture I'm declaring over you today. Amen. That is the scripture I would hope you would ponder for the next few days and how that, that looks, right? So in ending, some people are, have always asked me, how can the community, how can the church come alongside law enforcement at this day and what's going on? And it doesn't mean that you have to get out in the street and put yourself in, in, in self-harm with what's going on. Uh, but you can get out of your seat, get out of your house and write a letter to your representatives. You can take the time to go maybe to a city or a county council meeting because you know who's at those meetings? Not you, it's the people the few people that are trying to change things to uh, issues and, and change them to uh, situations that are just horrendous for not just law enforcement, but for you. That's who the people in charge are listening to because they're on their doorstep every day. And it's up to the church to start knocking on some of those doors. Right? So, that's it. Did it hurt? You okay? <laughs> so, I appreciate you guys. And I want to, why don't you stand with me? I got the pastor wants to come up and deliver a couple of words. But I just uh, appreciate your time. You guys are such a wonderful church. Thanks for having me back. And I, I bless each and every one of you that you walk in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And you walk out of here with your heads held high. That you take this opportunity, a once in a life opportunity, that you take it and make it worth the world worth worth the gold on the streets of, of heaven do you make it worth worthwhile and i just pray that for your, each and every one of you you're strong you're strong you're strong and you will make a difference 
Amen. I want us to uh, I want us to pray as we close, but I want us to give in to Derek and Leslie. Um, so would you prepare? Just reach down at the far end of every aisle. There's an envelope, and uh, you know he's not an official ordained minister. I don't think. Are you? Are you an official ordained minister? Well, I kind of got officially commissioned. You did as yeah. a marketplace apostle. Is that work? Come on, that's that right. Correct? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> But these guys, these guys are making a stand, and and of course we have a run for sheriff coming up. Yes. So that's uh, Multnomah County Sheriff. That's 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 in the. Is that 2022? 2022. 2022. So, but would you would you be so kind as to uh, to tell them with finance that you are standing with them? that you're standing with Derek, that you are standing with what he's standing for in Multnomah County. Uh, and just whatever size gift that is, uh, this is how we bless people that come to the house, that those who sow spiritual things in us, the word says that it's right for us to sow material things in them. Uh, and so we just want to sow materially into them uh, but I want us to pray for them, too. As you're readying a gift, as you're getting something ready, uh, I want us to pray for them. I want, to, I want us to pray for uh, Portland and Multnomah County right now. So let, let's begin to do that just all across the auditorium. I think we can make some declarations. Amen? Uh, we, can, we can make some declarations. Let's begin to do that right now. Let's, let's begin to cancel those riots right now. Just lift your voices and when just declare. I, I think the power of the church is more powerful than the federal troops coming in. And we just begin to cancel those riots right now. We begin to cancel the funding that's behind those riots, the spirit of violence, the spirit of anarchy, the demonic power inspiring those riots. We cancel it. We disband it. We disband it. It's been going a hundred days, but we say it stops now. We say it stops now that the Lord intervenes, that the ministry of heaven intervenes, that angelic hosts intervene, and we cancel right now the riots. We cancel the riots. We cancel every spirit. We bar, we arrest, we stop, we prohibit every spirit behind those riots right now. Every spirit inspiring those riots, every spirit orchestrating those riots. We say you are dismissed, you are dismissed, you are canceled, you are cast out of Portland and out of Multnomah County. Out of Portland and out of Multnomah County. Confusion, dismissal, failure. Comes upon all the strategies and all the plans of darkness over that city right now in Jesus' name. We also declare the believers rise up, the righteous rise up, the truth-filled rise up, the wise rise up. The wisdom from heaven rises up in Multnomah County, rises up in the city of Portland. The wisdom from heaven prevails over that city right now. Prevails, prevails, prevails. Join with me and just declare the wisdom from heaven, the wisdom from above begins to dominate council meetings, it begins to dominate council meetings. It begins to dominate strategies of leadership. The wisdom from above cancels the wisdom from beneath. And Lord, we prophesy over the blue right now. We prophesy over the police force that they're strengthened, that grace comes on them. Protection is theirs. Their families are supported. They're loved. They're helped. We decree and declare that those serving in law enforcement, that they're set apart, that they're growing in wisdom, they're maturing, that they're drawn together, you're unified, that the presence of the Lord increases in their midst, that prayer, that prayer comes 
in the midst of law enforcement agencies across the nation that prayer is brought back, prayer is invited, prayer is welcomed, that the presence of the Lord is brought to bear in every police department across the nation. Those who serve as chaplains, they begin to serve the officers with power, with life, with love, with the presence of the Lord, with ministry, with prayer, with deliverance, that chaplains find a new place of release in ministry, not just in their communities, but over their forces, over the police forces, over the law enforcement, over sheriffs, over deputies, over every branch of law enforcement. That the ministry of Jesus is loosed to bring healing, to bring wisdom, to bring restoration, to bring protection, to bring the wisdom from above. Father, we thank you for it. We thank you for it. We thank you for Derek. Everything you put in his heart, we declare the door opened for fulfillment. We cherish the word of the Lord on his heart. We cherish that Daniel, that Joseph anointing on him, that you give him insights that when he opens his mouth, it's the prophetic word of the Lord in those meetings. And that you put the seal, the kiss of the Lord on it. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. The ushers are going to pass those buckets or walk those through. We're going to worship as we go. God bless you for being a part of transformation in the Northwest. We love you, church.